Hi, everyone. This is David Cohen, and I'm here with my amazing co-host, Brad Feld. Hey, Brad. And this is the Give First podcast. And in the startup world, Give First means simply trying to help anyone, especially entrepreneurs, without any expectation of getting anything back. So we'll be talking to mentors and founders about what Give First looks like in action and how it makes great entrepreneurship possible. We polled everyone and they said consistently that their favorite part of the show was the legal mumbo jumbo. So here it is. The following discussion is an expression of personal opinion and does not represent the opinion of Techstars or any company we discuss. Our conversations for informational purposes only, including any mention of securities or funds. This is not legal business investment or tax advice and is not intended for use by any investor. Certain of Techstars funds own or may own in the future securities and some of the companies discussed in this podcast. Got it? Welcome to this episode of Give First. I'm one of your co-hosts, David Cohen. Uh, we have a great guest on the show today uh, to talk Give First with us. It's John China, who is the president of SVB Capital. Uh, John has been with SVB, I think, for 23 years now. Is that right, John? That's correct. Amazing. Um, you don't see that every day, people that stick around that long. And you've been a huge part of, of building uh, this amazing organization. You're now president of SVB Capital, as I understand it, and um, that's the funds management management business. Maybe tell us a little bit about what you're doing day-to-day today at SVB. Yeah. You know, uh, on May 1st, it was announced that I'd be leaving the commercial bank where I've enjoyed a 23-year career uh, to join the funds business. Uh, currently, it's $4.5 billion under management under two investment platforms, a fund of funds, really committed to most of the brand name firms you you and I know, and then a direct investment strategy around Series B investing for the same managers that we invest in our fund of funds. So the goal is to come in and try to scale up that business uh, significantly larger and add more more products to the platform. Well, congrats on that shift. Um, I'm sure that's exciting. A little, a little bit of fun new stuff to play with, but in the same world. So that's awesome. Yeah. You know, I, the relationship that, that Techstars has enjoyed with Silicon Valley Bank over the years has, has been very give first from our perspective, um, you know, just the way that you personally and, and so many others from SVB have just shown up um, at our accelerator programs, at our uh, community events like Startup Weekend. Um, maybe talk a little bit about how you think about, you know, sort of being so giving uh, as a strategy, because I, I know that you are a big believer in that. And And what do you get back from doing all of that? Yeah, you know, I think a lot of sponsors get caught up in, um, you know, this concept of ROI. And if I spend a dollar, how do I measure it coming back to me? And, you know, I remember day we met about almost a decade ago in your offices in Boulder um, when you were first opening up uh, Bullet to institutional investors. And uh, I just remember that conversation very clearly about your career arc and your your reasons to starting Techstars. And you know, nothing in that uh, in that conversation had anything to do with uh, making a lot of money or creating a great big company for yourself. It was really all about creating a platform to support entrepreneurs. And in in my company, what I tell people is it's such a privilege to come to work every day. And for me, 23 years, it's certainly with its ups and downs. But for 23 years, I get the privilege to sit across these incredible entrepreneurs who are taking really all the risk in building these great companies. And so the way we look at the world is this idea of if we can do anything in their path to make them even slightly more successful than they would have otherwise been without us, then we've achieved our goal. And so we just firmly believe that um, this give first model, whether we invest in 
people like you at Techstars or or in other organizations is really about um, the long-term sort of invested capital. And so our our excitement comes when these entrepreneurs achieve their goals and their success. And um, luckily, at least for the while I'm here, we don't measure uh, return on investment on our committed capital. We we look at it as what have these companies been able to achieve in the time that we've been involved with them. And that's hopefully that continues the, the you know, with my leaving into SAV Capital, hopefully the bank, which I sure it will continue that long term thinking about investment in startups. And that's that's sort of how we look at the world. I'm sure it will because it's, it seems to me so ingrained in the culture uh, of SVB because, you know, a, a few of you, I'm sure, led that effort, but it's, it seems to come from everyone. And, uh, you know, I think a lot of the startups that work with you are very surprised by the types of things that you'll engage with uh, as an organization. You know, it's, it's so much more than, you know, a place to park some money and, and maybe get a loan for the business. It's, you know, huge network and active connections and all of that. You know, I talked to Chris Stedman. Um, who is the the head of relationship management at SVB, uh, who you've worked with for a long time. And uh, he talked to me about, you know, when you were first sort of building out, you know, relationship management and, you know, all of that activity, you know, back in the day that, that one of the things you used to say is, you know, it, guys, it's give, 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 expect that to be two or three years of give, give, give before you ever get anything back. It's not quid pro quo. It's, you know, be willing to do that for a long time. How do you know that that's paying off or, or when do you decide that maybe, you know, you've given too much because Adam Grant in his book, you know, talks a lot about there are some people that'll just take, take, take on the other side of that. So at what point do you need to see some payback from that giving? You know, it's a really interesting uh, question. <laughs> and I appreciate that uh, you you talked to Chris, you know, one of my most senior um, members of my team, but I'm very inspired by Adam Grant. I've had a chance to meet him and spend time with him thanks to David Hornick um, and his lobby conference. And I've actually asked him that question. I've actually pondered this idea of a world of, you know, takers, matchers, and givers. Can givers, um, you know, can givers long-term win? And, you know, certainly Adam Grant's work proves that, that uh, givers do win in the long haul. I've thought a lot about that. I don't, you know, from where I sit, I, I don't know how you eventually ask for something. I think if you are in a giving mindset and it's authentic voice within you, within you to give, I'm not sure you ever really need to ask. Certainly the way we measure, if you want to get technical, is we do look for what we call client advocacy. And I know something you care about deeply, David, but we think that the, you know, the best loudspeaker for our brand are the clients we serve. And so the way we long-term measure our effectiveness is around client advocacy. And so again, I, you know, I've, I've often asked the question, is there a point where you've given too much? And I actually think the answer is no. I don't think that uh, you, you ever need to ask that question. Yeah. So, so in the world of startups, um, you know, some, some of them that even here at Techstars, right, we're, we're all trying to support them together. And some of them just don't seem to be working. They don't seem to be growing, uh, for example. And, you know, rather than thinking about it as a zero sum game about that particular company, right, I think both both of us seem to think about it as well, if even if they fail, right, maybe we've helped them and they're, they're an advocate for what we're doing. And, you know, we get future referrals from them. And that that's a mindset that I think not everyone has. So definitely makes sense to me. So um, also talk to Pamela Allsworth, um, who, who I've known for a long time. And, you know, this is a good chance to just catch up with, with some people that I don't, I don't talk to every day. And um, she's amazing, as you know, and she talked a lot about, 
you know, how, how Ken Wilcox was really a huge mentor for you and told you to focus on just a few things uh, and, and wanted me to ask you what they were and sort of how that relationship went. <laughs> it's quite interesting in a podcast to, to be a little vulnerable. <laughs> um, but yeah, Ken Wilcox, our former CEO, he, he took a real special liking to me many years ago and really looked out for my career. And I know one of the questions you're going to ask is about mentor or mentee relationships. And, you know, for some reason, he he really um, thought very highly of me and wanted me to to join the executive team. And it was a goal he had set out for, my, for me, even probably before I had that goal. In order to achieve that goal, which I did achieve in 2011, um, and I've been on that on, under Greg Becker's executive team since that day, you know, he said, you have to make some changes. <laughs> and I was, you know, ready for the traditional, you know, organize better or keep a better calendar. But he actually said two very, um, very significant things that uh, have really changed the way I look at the world. But he said, one is, you know, you have to breathe better. <laughs> he said, you breathe too loudly. You know, you, you, you take deep breaths and you, and, and you don't breathe well. And so that was one of the recommendations. And he actually recommended a breathing coach. And uh, the second thing he said is, um, you know, you're too loud. You, you've got to, you know, executives aren't loud. They, they're, they're contemplative, they're thoughtful, and they raise their voice very infrequently. And so um, those were the two bits of advice he said, if we can work on your breathing, and if we can uh, get you to, you know, speak softer, then you have a really clear chance to join Greg's uh, team. And before we do that, obviously, Greg's got to say yes. And so let's work on those things. So I thought that was a really, and I don't mind sharing that story because it's interesting, you know, that not every day that someone gives you that type of feedback, but uh, it, it certainly paid dividends. That blows my mind because what you expect to hear is, you know, you need to work on, you know, a particular skill that, that's very business related. I guess they are business related, but it, but it's sort of that, it sounds like it was, there was a willingness to give you, you know, some, some sort of truth, right? That this is maybe how others are perceiving you that you could work on. And clearly that stuck with you for a long time, but it's totally not what you would expect, uh, the type of, of advice you'd get from a mentor. So sometimes it comes out of totally unexpected places, but do you think it had a huge impact? It did. I mean, I, I think when I look back now, um, having uh, been part of the executive team, you know, it is a collaborative effort uh, when you're a section 16 officer on a publicly traded company and you know, how you behave in that room really um, forms the way other people experience you. And so being very mindful of your place and your presence is is really, really important. The, the other thing about this mentor-mentee relationship model, when you think about entrepreneurship is, you know, there has to be two very willing parties. I mean, in, in Ken's case, he really took some executive risk, if you think about it, to, to lean in and support me. He certainly, I certainly wasn't a clear, you know, choice to to, to be the next executive of the bank back in 2010 at the time when the decision was being rendered. And I think that's part of it. One is an executive has to take personal risk. And on the other end of it, I had to be a willing participant. You know, I could have easily said, you know, that's really rude or um, I don't appreciate those that feedback. But I had to be willing to actually look deep inside and, and be willing to change. And I think that's what's really interesting about this, you know, mentor-mentee relationship that both parties take on risk and there has to be willingness on both ends to 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 commit to one another. Well, and I, I you know, I'll put you on the spot and say, you know, what did Ken get back from that? I, from my perspective, I'm sure he got a lot. I'm guessing he remained a shareholder. You were a huge part of, you know, creating enormous value for SVB, and if I'm not mistaken, breaking into the S and P 500 and just you know, hu huge progress. So I'm sure he got a lot back financially. But do you think he got back 
anything else from that relationship and, and sort of helping you in that way? Yeah. And I think, you know, when I think about, um, I've often think about Ken, uh, now that he's retired, um, why he did what he did. And I think very similar to this, to, to the reason we're having this conversation today, I think he did it to inspire me to help others, uh, in front of me. So I, I, I think I, I take such a deep commitment to sponsorship in the years that I have at the bank. I'm now spending on mostly sponsoring women inside the organization that, um, might not have that same chance I had. And so I think that that is his greatest gift to me was uh, embedding in me a commitment to help others that, um, f- you know, fall into similar categories of, of outliers that wouldn't normally be selected to, to, you know, senior positions in the bank. It's interesting that you bring up sort of the advocacy around women. I know that's one of your passions in, in venture um, and you have lots of, of ideas about that. Um, and, and you talked some about the difference between mentorship and sponsorship. Um, maybe talk a little bit more about, about you know, how you think that uh, we need to advocate for women in those areas and what that difference is. You know, people always ask me, why, why do you have such a commitment? And, you know, as a first generation uh, Mexican-American from immigrant parents, um, for me, it's simple. Women, you know, form 50% of our society. And if they're not getting advantages uh, or being disadvantaged, then certainly uh, people of color have a lot worse chance. And so for me, it's just a very rational way to look at the world that we're not using the talents of, of half of our society. And especially in our industry, David, where, you know, VCs generate, you know, less than 3% of the, the capital being raised by women. And then when you look at the entrepreneur statistics, they're just slightly better at under 10%. And so, in, you know, at the time at the bank in my new role, I'm really excited to try to bring products that really support um, giving capital to women in both the GP side and on the entrepreneur side. So I'll be spending a great amount of my, you know, energy focused on how do we go to the LP community and get them to commit um, funds to um, women GPs and women entrepreneurs. And I think it's a perfect time. And I really believe that from where Silicon Valley Bank sits, we sit a unique place in the ecosystem where, you know, we get a chance uh, to potentially dent the universe a bit. And that's what I'm, I'm really looking forward to that opportunity. I see the same opportunity. We'll talk more offline about that, but I, I, I see the coupling of that with, you know, these managing director roles that we have here at Techstars where you, you get, you know, 10 investments a year and, you know, you can build 50, a portfolio of 50 companies in five years is hard to do anywhere else. And you sort of, it's an apprenticeship model you learn from doing. And so, uh, there might be something fun to collaborate on there as well. Absolutely. Hey, I want to switch gears. Um, both both Pamela um, and Chris gave me um, a, a tip about the the best thing they've learned from you, and it was hard for them to pick the best one. But I'll ask you about it. Maybe you could talk about uh, this thing that they perceive that they learned from you. Uh, Chris said uh, he learned speak from the heart, not from your mind. Yeah. You know, I, I really think that, um, the, you know, the best storytelling out there when, when I'm captivated by an, you know, by a presentation or a fireside chat is when people speak very authentically. And, um, you know, you get one chance to say important things typically. And, um, if you're going to say them, you know, don't use buzzwords, you know, don't go off scripts. Um, yeah, speak from the heart. And, Normally, when you do that, people listen. Uh, I, at least in my career, I found that um, I try to be as transparent as possible. Obviously, there's things I can and can't say based on my role at the bank. But generally speaking, I ask people to really um, make themselves a bit vulnerable and speak the truth from an authentic voice. And normally, when that happens, people follow. And that's been my, you know, that's been my history here. So uh, it's interesting that he would say that, but that is that that's true. <laughs> 
Pamela's was uh, about what you do when you first meet somebody and the conversation you have with them. She said that, that what you taught her to do is ask them a lot of questions about themselves and really what makes them tick. And that when that person walks away, they'll generally say it was the best meeting they ever had. <laughs> oh, yeah, this is really interesting. So I learned, <laughs> it's a funny story, actually. I learned in college um, when I was uh when I was with my roommate and he really, really, really um, liked a, a girl uh, in our, in, in our dorm. And the parents of that, of that woman invited us out to dinner. He, he needed me by his side. I guess I was a sidekick that night. And uh, I learned this at a very young age. Um, in that dinner, this was an entrepreneur, a software engineer, entrepreneur in Boston who b become very successful. And at that dinner, I, you know, I just asked him probably like 40 questions. And I just, as he, as he ate his dinner, I just kept asking more and more questions. And, you know, I learned early on that um, interesting people are people that find interest in others. That was the message that his daughter gave to me after the next morning who said, you know, my parents really, really were excited to meet you because they found you to be so interesting. <laughs> and, um, and the reason they found me interesting was because I found so much interest in them. And uh, I, I think that what Pamela's getting at is when I meet entrepreneurs, I, I really have a deep interest in understanding what they're trying to build, who they are, and, and, and you know, realistically what we can possibly do to help them. And to do that, you know, you can't get into some script and you can't follow some, you know, product chart. You, you really have to understand what's driving that entrepreneur. And the only way to do that is to ask a lot of questions. And so that's what she's getting at, this idea that you, you have to really understand that journey, that arc that that entrepreneur is on. And to do that, you've got to be ready to, to be prepared and ask a lot of important questions. And, you know, you can't, they can't be random and you, you have to be prepared. So that's the other thing I think entrepreneurs expect from us that, you know, we've done our homework and we, we understand the business model to some degree um, so that you're not just, you know, you know, silly questions. But yeah, that's consistent with uh, a conversation I've had with my leadership team for many, many years. That sidekick, I think some people would call that a wingman, by the way. Um, but uh... <laughs> Exactly. I, I, yeah. <laughs> by the way, that couple got married, so they ended up in a good place. <laughs> good. Good. You played a role. That's awesome. Um, like I said, it was hard to, to pull uh, one thing out of Chris and Pamela. They gave me a bunch, but hey, it's a 20-minute podcast, so we'll, we'll stop there with those. And the last topic I wanted to hit you on before our rapid fire that we'll wrap up on um, is uh, particularly, you know, Chris was talking about, he just picked one example of Foundry Group um, and, and said that um, you really pushed the bank to stop approaching Foundry as a transaction and more approach them as a relationship. And that, that was some maybe internal debate about how to think about that. But he thought that would be an interesting thing to ask you about um, how you sort of maybe manage that, that way of thinking inside the bank more broadly. Yeah. I mean, look, it's it certainly, again, when we talked about, you know, sponsorship ROI, there's two ways to make money in, in any, you know, in any type of uh, enterprise and certainly transactional volume is a way to make money. And, and I think for years, the organization, you know, really relied on transactional results. And, you know, they, they paid really well dividends for the bank over the years. I think the foundry was a real turning point for us as an organization, because as you know, your co-producer of, of this uh, podcast is also a dear, dear friend of yours. Um, you know, Brad is a really interesting um, investor. I mean, he always talks about having built Foundry Group as a group of um, national investors that happen to want to live in Boulder. And, you know, for most of these small regional firms, um, they they probably don't get that same credit they deserve, like some of the brand firms and, 
the East Coast and the West Coast. And so I think there was a challenge for our organization to understand the delta between treating something just transactionally versus really taking a step back and understanding the power of a, a platform like Foundry. And so, yeah, it took me some work to try to sort of detangle uh, people's perceptions of what Foundry was as a, a, as a regional firm versus the national investment platform that is that has become. And so, you know, it, it doesn't take much after meeting the entire team uh, in Boulder to know that this firm is very special, as you well know, David. So, um, so for me, it was a it was sort of a, a a job that I I took on, and and I didn't mind the uh, the the challenge. Yep, special is definitely the word I would use for Foundry Group um, <laughs> in many contexts. You're right. Um, so, so I want to go to rapid fire. This is how we usually end. Um, we're big fans of Harry Stebbings, and he does this on on his uh, podcast, and we love it. First question: um, What give 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 relationship that you've had with a CEO uh, are you most proud of today? There's several, of course, when you ask these questions. But for me, is when um, when a CEO is in a turnaround situation, and you've been there in the worst of times, and uh, you're able to come out the other end, and you had to do some pretty difficult discussions with that CEO. But more importantly, you also had to um, restructure things and 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 convince people on your side to do the same. And so I think when I think about the CEO relationships that are most meaningful are the ones where we went through some really dark times together. John, is there a charity that you might be involved with that you would urge people to take a look at and, and why? Uh, hunger for elderly people in San Francisco is something that we collectively can all solve. And so I'm very passionate, committed to help Meals on Wheels San Francisco achieve its goals. Well, as you know, you never know what you're going to get back from giving first. So so we here at Techstars will make a, a donation uh, to that one for you on, in your name. And uh, we'll also make one to the Techstars Foundation, which is focused on diversity and inclusion and, and entrepreneurship. Um, so that's a, just a little thank you for being on the show. Thank you, David. How about your favorite city in the world? Someplace you think everybody should visit? Well, we've had several. My wife and I, Selena, have had several visits Um Paris, Paris, Paris always comes to mind. <laughs> One, two, three. But I'm really falling in love with the North American cities. Uh, I think North America is uh, underrated. And so I, I keep real track. So I'm going to cheat and tell you that, you know, I look at Toronto, New York City, uh, where I opened that office, and Mexico City as three shining examples of cities that are, that are really taking on more prominence in the world uh, ahead of us. Last question, rapid fire, last question, I'll let you go. Uh, is there somebody, dead or alive, in history or you know, doesn't matter, who you would love to have dinner with and why? Yeah, the guy, the person that um, has inspired me over the years is uh, Abraham Lincoln. Obviously, I've read his books and um, you know the books about him, and think about that point in the war and when it comes to civil rights and the choices he had to make to keep a tattered government together to fight to do the right thing has always inspired me. That when I'm put at my, you know, toughest challenges, you know, will I rise to the occasion and do the right thing? And I constantly inspired by his leadership uh, and what he did to, to keep this country together at a time that it frankly wanted to break apart. Great. John, uh, on behalf of everybody at Techstars and everybody listening, uh, yeah, thank you so much for all that you do for startups and the startup community and that SVB does. Um, you know, it's, it's noticed and appreciated. And thanks for being on the show with us today. Thanks, David. Thanks a lot for listening to the show today. We'd love to hear your feedback, ideas, or who you'd like to hear next on Give First. Please leave us a rating and review as well, and reach out anytime to podcasts at techstars.com or on Twitter, I'm at David Cohen. See you next time. Don't forget, Give First.